on protected water that the boys called Mermaid Lagoon. Peter could see the tiny figures of a half-dozen mermaids sunning themselves on the broad, flat rock they favoured. One of the figures waved, probably their leader, the one known as Teacher. She was quite fond of Peter, a fact that both embarrassed and pleased him. Peter returned the wave, then continued his aerial survey of the island. Curved around the blue-green waters of the lagoon was the island's widest beach, a semicircle of soft, sugar-white sand fringed with coconut trees. Behind the beach, in a small clearing nestled at the base of the mountain slope, was the boys' home, a dome-shaped driftwood hut covered with palm thatch that they'd erected with the help of the Moloch's tribe. A quarter mile from their hut, in a bigger clearing surrounding a massive tree, was the mollusk village itself, where grey smoke was drifting skyward from several cooking fires. The mollusks, whose chief, fighting prawn, owed Peter his life, had proved to be generous hosts that shown the boys how to spear fish, which fish to spear, how to clean and cook them, where to get fresh water, how to keep a fire going, what to do when a hairy, jumping spider the size of a squirrel leaped on your head all the basic skills of island survival. Peter suspected that fighting prawn also had men posted in the jungle to keep an eye on the boy's hut, lest the pirates decided to pay a visit. This had been reassuring at first, but as the weeks and months passed, Peter had become more and more certain that the pirates didn't dare venture to this side of the island where they would be greatly outnumbered by the mollusks. His fear had turned to confidence, then to cockiness. In recent days he'd taken to amusing himself by flying across the island to the pirate encampment and taunting the pirate who had once terrified him, and the entire seafaring world, Black Stash. But Peter had given him a new name. Peter looked down the other side of the mountain toward what the boys called Pirate Cove. On a bluff overlooking the cove was the pirate's fort, a squat structure made of logs that had been laboriously hacked down with swords and bound with thick jungle vines. Reaching the apex of his ascent, Peter eased to a stop and hovered for a moment. He was about to begin his descent when he heard a sound behind him. To a normal person it would have sounded like bells, tiny, perfectly pitched, melodious bells. Peter could hear the bells, but he also heard words inside his head, and they were not happy words. He sighed and turned slowly to face a most displeased Tinker Bell, her silvery wings buzzing furiously, her tiny face red and pinched with anger. "'I did not run off,' he said, though he knew he had. "'It's not my fault if you don't keep up.' More bells. Peter cut them off in mid-tinkle. "'Listen, Tink!' Peter said. You're not my mother or father. I have no mother or father. I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to answer to anybody. The sound of more bells, musical and quieter now. Yes, I do know that, Peter said, also softening. I understand perfectly well that Lord Astor left you to look out for me, and I appreciate it, but that was when I was new to, to all this. He gestured at his airborne body, then the island below. It's different now. I've learned a lot. I can take care of myself. I don't need a fairy watching. He was interrupted by an angry outburst of shrill bells. Tinkerbell disliked the name fairy, which she saw as a slight to her heritage. Sorry, said Peter. I mean, I don't need a bird woman watching over me. More bells, instructive. What dangers, said Peter. 
There's nothing on this island for me to worry about except old Captain Hook down there, and he's too scared to come near our side of the island with the mollusks about. Even if he does come, how's he going to catch me if he can't fly? Face it, Tink. Nothing here can hurt me. Nothing. More bells. Well, that's your opinion, said Peter. But I don't agree, and I don't plan to stay up here all day arguing with a, a bird woman. He turned his back on her, angled his body to start his downward swoop. Tinkerbell flew in front of him, still tinkling. Fine, Peter said, impatient now. I can't stop you from coming. Just don't get in the way, okay? With that, he gripped the mango, let out a whoop, and began his dive toward the pirate fort, his mind focusing now on his plan of attack. He was so intent on landing the mango on his target that he failed to notice two things. One was a small human form below, making its way laboriously up to the summit of the mountain. Had Peter looked closely, he would have seen that the form was James, who was determined that this time he would not miss out on the adventure. The other thing.